Hi, I'm Joy. Hi, I'm Susan. And this is Girlish Gurus. And Susan, why are we here? We are here to start a conversation about female empowerment and the issues facing women our age at this time, and to have some fun along the way. So, let's get started. Okay. Welcome back. Welcome back. This is Susan. This is Joy. Today we're talking about another big topic. (laughs) We're fortunate that we know so many women who have so many great experiences and so much valuable information that we can share. And one of those women is actually my own sister, Mickey. And I'm going to give her a chance in a second to introduce herself and to talk a little bit about her background. But I can tell you when it comes to the world of insurance, which is a financial issue, and particularly for women of our age, if you are unmarried or you're widowed, or you, for whatever reason, are living on your own, this is going to be a topic that you're going to want to pay close attention to. So I want to take just a second to introduce my sister and let her give a little bit of background and explain how she has significant experience in this issue and topic. Hello, welcome. Hello, thanks for having me. So this is my sister, Mickey Alfred Lane. Mickey, tell us a little bit about your background and how you have relevant experience on this topic. Okay, so first I want to give a shout out to my hardworking, loving, supportive husband and father, especially right now. I've recently had some major surgery, and so he's um, my primary support. But also, so are my two young men, the oldest being 22 and the youngest one being 18. I've been a stay-at-home parent to them for 22 plus years now. My background in this, um, prior to leaving the workforce to stay at home to raise our children, I was six years into a career in human resources, which primarily was uh, HRIS and compensation for employees and board of directors. And I wore some other hats too. But prior to moving into that position, I supported for a short time the benefits department I didn't realize how helpful it would it would be in my future with children because I live in the world of autism. I have permission to talk about that, but it's that's not my story to tell. But um, it's relative to what we're going to be talking about because I've worked inside the healthcare insurance industry in terms of utilizing healthcare insurance benefits, and I've done that for a very, very, very long time now. So I have a lot of, you know, I have a lot of experience with respect to healthcare insurance, more than I really care to have, but it's been very helpful. And, and you, you mentioned that it's a financial issue and it is very much a financial issue. And as a result, we've managed to utilize our benefits better than what I think an average person is able to do. So our target audience obviously, is women who are 45 and older, women who are in that age group where they are beginning to experience menopause and other health-related issues Mm -hmm. based on their age. And so my question about that is how insurance plugs into that and how that works. And I know 
most people don't really have the background to manage insurance. And Susan, jump in anytime you want here because mm-hmm. you have that insurance background from a corporate perspective. Right. But most people mm-hmm. don't really have that background to manage their insurance. And some women may not have it at all. And so my question is, how does that work for women who are 45 and older? And what can you do to get the services and the help you need as much as possible in a healthcare industry that really discounts healthcare issues for women in that age group? Does that make sense? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. There's just so much to unpack. There always is. (laughs) We can do. Yeah. (laughs) We can always do another episode, Nikki. (laughs) This is a topic that's going to, that's going to unravel over a period of time, I'm sure. And this is a very relevant topic because no matter what, money is like food. Right. You have to have it to live. And in this age group for women who are, maybe unmarried or for whatever reason find themselves living on their own especially after the pandemic and in this economic time we're living in this is a big big issue it is and given the topic of today's conversation i took the liberty of gathering some current data or stats and i think it will help in demonstrating what I feel is a broken health care system. A, oh, yes. A broken health care oh, insurance system. We've already talked I about know, it. I'm, I'm, I'm shaking <laughs> my head. I'm shaking my head. Yes. 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 I'm, not, I'm not going to get too far up on my soapbox, but I do oh, no. Take, We're all about the know. soapbox here. <laughs> okay. I do, I do just want to briefly say that our system is broken. It's hard on everyone. Mm. It, it doesn't serve everyone when they need to utilize their benefits very well at all. Mm. And it's particularly difficult, as some of my stats will demonstrate, it's particularly difficult for women. We're going to include all of the links, the relevant links from this information in the description of the podcast episode. So anybody who's listening and wants to look at what we are looking at, you're going to have access to that in the description of this episode. Right. So first, according to Statista.com, there are 31.53 million women ages 45 to 59 as of 20, I believe it's 2020 in the United States. Wow. Wow. And so that's the block of women. That's our target audience today. But I also want to mention that there are 98 million women ages 19 to 64. So wow, can you those, believe that? Well, both of us are looking at each other like, wow. <laughs> probably what is that? About 10% of that group are women ages 45 to 59. And the reason I I did ages 45 to 59 is because those are the ages where we are most likely to experience perimenopause, mm-hmm. uh, menopause, a variety, you know, unfortunately, breast cancer, the need for hormone replacement therapy. My opinion and what I'm reading is women are more prone in, in those age groups to develop food sensitivities or allergies. Really? Interesting. Or, yeah, allergies, right. Yep. There's a thought that there's a connection between their hormones, imbalances. There's a lot of things that start to happen to women, particularly ages 45 
to 59. That is so interesting to me. I didn't realize that, Mickey, because that happened to me. Oh, what? The food allergy, allergy, the food allergy popped up a couple mm-hmm. of years ago for me. I had never had any food allergies ever. I have tons mm-hmm. of others, but never food. Mm-hmm. And a couple of years ago, I ended up having a food allergy to shrimp. Yep. Ate right. it my whole life, a ton of it. Never had yep. a problem. And then boom, all of a sudden, had a yeah. reaction and I went to get tested and here I'm allergic to it. Interesting. Right. So mm-hmm. these are these are things that I know aren't considered and and this is when we need our insurance. Right. Right. Yes. Right. Um not that we didn't need it before. No, but, but healthcare generally is expensive and there's a whole body of issues around how to pay for the treatment that you need, how to find the treatment that you need and it's in network and et cetera. So Right. Well, yeah. and that's there's there's the trick. So going back to the Kaiser Family Foundation document that I'm utilizing here. So of the ninety eight million women ages nineteen to sixty four, thirty eight percent have employer sponsored health care insurance plans in their own name, meaning they are the employee. 23% of those women, they have insur- health care insurance through their employer, but they are listed as a dependent. Mm-hmm. They're the not spouse. the employee, mm-hmm. they're the dependent. They're the, mm-hmm. yeah, it's on their spouse or significant other. 7% do direct purchase. Uh, 16% are, are mm-hmm. on uh, Medicaid. Right. 5% other, others are 5%. And I'm assuming that means like COBRA or small not well-known plans or something. It wouldn't include Medicare because it's only up to age 64. So 11% of women in the United States ages 19 to 64 as of 2020 were uninsured. Wow. So Mickey, is one of those categories or would one of them include anybody utilizing the ACA, Affordable Care Act? So... Probably what I think is, is the direct purchase Mm. is the ACA. Okay. And what percentage was that again? That is 7%. Wow. So that's not a lot. Right. Okay. So we've kind of walked through, you know, the statistics, the statistics of all of this. So yeah, I've been fortunate enough to have jobs where my employer paid for my health care insurance and it and in most cases it was very generous and I was very fortunate to be able to have that so right right and I think that's the case for most of the women I know however there are many women out there who are not that fortunate that may work part-time or their employers just don't provide that and they make sure that they only work enough hours to not, not have, have to, to provide pay it. That. Yes. So right. let's maybe kind of go down that path of what are the options available for these women and, and how do they maneuver that? Right. So um, the, there are, there, I, we're all probably pretty much familiar with whatever options there are. Um, there's no, there's no, um, I've never discovered any like secret. No, of course not. Of yes, <laughs> coverage. Yeah. I think um, as a bankruptcy attorney, I would know, right? And I <laughs> there's none out there, right? Yeah, 
Yeah. Right. So, mm-hmm. but so real quick. So going back to uninsured women and pro- and and ways. So I I listed ways that so um, there are there are only a few ways to to uh, manage to access healthcare insurance benefits. So you have your employer sponsored insurance plans. You have non-group or direct purchase, which is what my friend does. And I'll kind of explain what, um, you know, what I'm talking about there in a second. You have Medicaid, which has a particular criteria. You have COBRA, which is a particular type of coverage. Mm -hmm. And it is not long term. It is 18 months. I think it's still 18 months. Um, and then you have military TRICARE, JOY, which you will be familiar with. Mm-hmm. And um, you have the ACA. And then you have community health centers. So those are all the ones that I, you know, that I can think of for the age group that we're talking about. Mm-hmm. So with Medicaid, there's a certain criteria that you must meet. Right? Right. And it cuts out women who are maybe self-employed right and they're growing but their income will be too high in order to be able to be on medicaid plus not all states are friendly to the medicaid expansion cobra is a short-term coverage and cobra happens if you've been employed and you lose your job you can opt for cobra Or if you have been in a relationship or a marriage where your spouse or significant other covered your benefits through their employer and you end up separating and getting a divorce, then you can utilize COBRA. So it is a short term. It's 18 months. And what happens is that you basically pay the entire premium. But they let you stay in the plan. And it can be expensive. I've done it. Yes. So it can I've be expensive. For a short time, I had to use COBRA. And at that time, it was probably more like $500 a month. I know somebody who utilized it within the last couple of years. I want to say it was $780 a month. Mm-hmm. Because they ended up separating and divorcing their spouse. So then you have your military, which obviously you can't access unless you're in the military. Then you have the ACA. And the ACA, you can go out and buy insurance. And this is where my friend comes in. She's single. She'll be 50 this year. And and she's a mother of two young adults who are on their father's health care insurance. So she utilized Cobra. Now she did direct buy and I called her and I said, Hey, I'm going to going to be doing this podcast with my sister and Susan. I said, we're talking about women our age and insurance, healthcare insurance. And she started laughing. And so what she did is she sat down and she said she spent about 80 hours evaluating whether to take a plan off of the ACA or to do a direct pay or a non-group insurance purchase. And she said they don't make it easy. And she is correct. And that insurance providers have left. And so there's, in some states, there's very few providers. In fact, I'm not going to say 100%, but in North Carolina, I think that a year or two ago, the only healthcare insurance provider for the ACA programs was Anthem Blue Cross. Well, 
Mickey, that's actually what I'm utilizing right now because I resigned from my job. I paid for the Cobra uh-huh. for the first 18 months. And then I did what your friend did. I had to do the research on purchasing of private or using yep. the ACA's mm-hmm. programs that were available. And I think currently, if I'm not mistaken, there may be two companies, but the yep. the company outside of Blue Cross Blue Shield is difficult to find. It was for me anyway, with my current providers. Right. What made you decide to go with Anthem Blue Cross? Because for my friend, what it came down to was the ACA, the products that they had, they only had one of my six doctors on the plan. And then the private pay is the one I went with because they have four out of my six doctors. Yeah. So Anthem had more providers for you than they did. I was lucky. Anthem had my primary care and then I utilize a dermatologist and Mm -hmm. they were both in the program and as is my gynecologist. So I was fortunate because I don't think that usually happens. Right. No, it doesn't. And so my experience with healthcare insurance is primarily within the mental health care world because of autism, ADHD, ADD, anxiety, and executive dysfunction with ADD and ADHD falls under executive dysfunction. My experience with those things and getting health, mental health care providers as intervention services, and I've done this for decades, trying to get, even on employer-sponsored plans, It's much easier, but trying to get an in-network provider, Mm -hmm. there's caveats. If your child is not getting along with the provider, it doesn't matter if they're in-network, you have to find someone else because the provider can't help them and they are not being cooperative, so there's no benefit. So finding an in-network mental health care provider, such as a psychologist or a psychiatrist, for pediatrics is very, very difficult, especially in the high cost of living areas. And also during COVID, the wait list for even in-network providers is very long because COVID, right? Because yeah, we just talked about struggling. that. With, we just talked about right. that. Yeah. Earlier today. Mm-hmm. So that's even with good employee healthcare benefits and The reason I've been so successful is I understand how the system works and I know how to quickly and effectively search for in-network providers. So even employee healthcare benefits have their pitfalls. They have their pitfalls. So women are less likely to be uninsured than men, according to the Family Foundation. Hmm. So, Mickey, how can we help maybe the listeners think about the steps they're going to need to take to investigate if they have a need at this point? Like they don't have an employer insurance program. And I understand that there's pitfalls there and there's still a lot of expense there that may not be affordable, but at least it's they have access. Right. So. So the first thing is taxes. Look to see. First of all, the child tax credit? No, no, no. I'll, no, I'm talking about the American Rescue Act. But so 
if you are a female and you do not have children or, or even if you do, but if you are a female of our age group, then what I would do is I would look, I would look into Medicaid, your state's Medicaid plan and what your, what your income is to see if you qualify. Right. And so, so if your state has expanded and your income is low enough that you qualify, then I would say that you, you should go after trying to get into Medicaid. The trouble is, I know for people who are disabled here in the, I think in the state of Virginia, it's roughly three years to get on the list. Wow. And there are hoops that you have to jump through. Like if you do not have a car, but they will make you go to a provider 40 miles an hour and a half away for an evaluation. I know somebody this is happening to uh, for an evaluation in order to see if you qualify. There are hoops and it is it is very difficult. And if you make too much money, that's going to be a problem. Right. I would suggest if you have low income, start there, start there. Right. Um, Joy and I, Joy and I understand this because our mom is in this, was in this class and um, we watched her work like like a dog, Mm -hmm. like a dog. And it didn't matter, did it? So I would say go if your income is above a certain level of the FPL, then go and look at the ACA because, you know, what it comes down to, if you don't have your health, you can't work. Well, that's true. And yes. so, and, and I know people say it's too expensive. My friend, um, her direct pay is actually more expensive than the products that the ACA w- was offering to her. Well, that's what I found to be the case. Yes. I did. And the other thing is, is if you want a low deductible, and this is, it's regardless of what, what kind of insurance you have, if you want a low deductible, you're going to pay a high premium. Sure. If you want a low premium, your deductible, you are likely never to reach it. Hopefully you're not likely to reach it. Right. um, Because you're in decent enough health. But it means that if you have high cholesterol, or diabetes, you might not be able to get back to pay for all the tests and medication and stuff. So right. it's something to consider. The trouble with our healthcare insurance system is that we see it as a commodity instead of a right. Right? That's true. We yes. don't we don't see it as life, liberty, and, and the pursuit of happiness. Well, because it right? isn't here. Unfortunately, right. it isn't for us. Yeah. Right. So the system doesn't work, and it doesn't allow people to be healthy so that they can work. But I think the first thing I would say is if your income is too high for Medicaid, I would still go to the ACA and get a plan. You're likely to have to drive further and to find a provider. It's not profitable right now for the insurance companies to participate Sure. In the ACA. Sure. But I would say, I think what women need to consider is, while you can access the ACA and, hey, it may not be ideal, but it is something. Right. Mm-hmm. And it, you may yes, not right. get to get your preferred care, your primary care physician that you're used to having. And that sucks, right. quite honestly. But It sucks. Yeah, yeah. That's right. But it's access. Mm-hmm. It's access to health care. And if you can get that for nothing right. or a reduced right. premium, 
just to right. have the access to it is so important. There's right. access to insurance or to health care. Don't deny it just because you may, there may be, your doctor may not be in there. You may have to switch doctors and that's unfortunate. Yes. But that yes. might be the choice you have to make in order to have that health care. Right. And if you're doing direct purchase, and including the ACA. So open enrollment is once a year and you cannot change unless you have a life event. So like death, birth, whatever, then you can change mid-year aspects of your plan. But each year you should evaluate and it may mean that you switch every year. I know some people who they do exactly that every year right. and it's a pain for them, but they're self-employed. Right. And that's how they manage with their family because they have a family. There are things that when you get into your plan, if the plan is not working for you, if you're having difficulties, depending on what it is, you can always do some advocating. There's an appeals process. Every insurance company is required by law to put what that process is and where to send the appeal and what kinds of documentation you know you would need. It's on the back of every EOB that you have. It should be readily accessible. There are things that you can do to try to pick a good product with a, a company. You can do your research about what their quality of customer service is and how they respond to problems that you might be having. But certainly there's an appeals process. That's a tricky process, yes. And it doesn't matter which insurance you're on. That is a tricky process. It's time-consuming, but... The other, there's one more area where you can get health care, but it's not insurance, which would be a community health care center. Right. And I'm going to use our father as an example. He's not a female, obviously, 45 to 59, but he has Medicare. He has gap insurance, and his primary health care provider is a community health center. So, but he drives a great distance so that he can save on his copays. They charge what his copay on the insurance because they'll take his insurance. And I imagine they take everybody's insurance and then they provide, they do things on a sliding scale with the ability to pay. Mm -hmm. So that's another thing. So while you're waiting to get insurance, you can get healthcare with a community healthcare center. So I'm going to go into Joy's little area here and say, what's your pocketbook? Right. right? Ah, that's and, a whole, that's yeah. kind of how we got started down this path in the first place. <laughs> we mm -hmm. actually did an right. episode not too long ago about personal finance. And again, not to spend too much time on the soapbox, but I can really get on the soapbox about that. <laughs> okay. So healthcare insurance is the same as paying yourself. You pay, what do you say? You pay yourself first, mm -hmm. right? Oh, yes. That's you, right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You need to include that. But yeah, that's what I would do. I would I would start with the ACA. If you have access to employee health care benefits, but you can't, you think you can't afford it, go talk to your benefits department. That is what they are there for. Mm, go talk to them. Tell them what your concerns are. And they will help you figure out. They can't tell you what plans to pick. But they can help you and they can help you work that out. Go talk to your employer and get those benefits if you can. And if you can't, go to the ACA. If your income is too high, go to the ACA. Yeah. 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 
I think those are great last minute recommendations. The HR department is there to help the employees. And so they're there. They're, they have all the information available to help you make the right selection for you based on your situation. And they, it's private. So they have to keep that information private. In order to help you, especially if they're going to help you advocate, you know, if they're going to help you with your appeal or whatever, they have to get an authorization from you uh, by law to be able to help you. So you should, before they start, you should be asked to sign an authorization, which is sort of like a a HIPAA thing. Right. Many companies also have, as part of their benefits plan, an advocacy program that allows you to call and get get help making those choices and making the best decision for you around your benefits. So... Those are important to utilize if, if they're there. Yes. Yeah. So. yeah, they are. Also, if you're having a mental health care crisis, by the way, and you have access to employee assistance plans, yes. they are required by law to find and get you into a facility or into a therapist. I think they get about 24 hours and they have to move very quickly. So if you're in crisis, please call, first of all, the suicide helpline. And if you're having those kinds of difficulties, if you're in some kind of crisis, contact your company's EAP hotline, and they will work very quickly to get you because that's separate from your advocacy segment within HR. Contact the employee health, especially during COVID. This has been just very hard for everyone. It has. And accesses are short, but Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. We'll put links to a lot of this information with the podcast so that people can access the places they need to. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We'll put all that information yeah. in the description of the podcast episode. Right. If you want to check out any right. of this information, all the links that we can provide, everything right. possible, we'll put that information in that episode description. And thank you so much for your time. We really, really appreciate you coming on and given us the benefit well, of your experience. Oh, yes, not a problem. Thank Maybe we'll you, have Mickey. you again yeah. shortly. That would be great. All right. All right. Thanks. Thanks for having me. All right. Bye. Thanks, Mickey. Bye-bye. All right. Bye. Bye. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye. Thanks for joining us. We'll be back again with another episode. See you next time. Bye-bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of Girlish Gurus. We hope you'll join us next time for a new, interesting, and fun topic. Be sure to check the description of this episode for any links or information about the episode's topics and to find us on our social media platforms. And don't forget to download this episode, give it a good review, and share it with your girlfriends. The more interaction we get, the more episodes we can post. Thanks, everyone. Thanks. Bye-bye. Bye.